everybody welcome back to back to brick i'm your host garrett and it's monday again so we're talking to a designer but this is a little different it's not going to be about someone who builds lego but they probably do a little bit here and there but we're going to be talking to another lego podcaster i'll first say jamie thank you for coming on today how are you today thanks Garrett. very well thank you uh hello everyone uh, as yeah as garrett said i'm not a builder designer per se I, I dabble a little bit in the lego education sets which i'll talk about a little bit later on but no yeah mainly instagram and podcasting is kind of what my lego fandom's all about really it's great because that's exactly what i'm doing now we get to kind of share our stories of being hosts and talk about the lego world in itself i'm i'm excited Absolutely. to have you on Thank you. Yeah, me too. As as we said just before, it's it's for me. It's interesting to be on the other side. Didn't have to think of any <laughs> questions. Just talk about myself and why I like Lego. So yeah, it's um, I'm excited to be here today. Yeah, and it's it's all about being relaxed. That's the whole point. Exactly. The it, when we when we talk interviews, it's it's supposed to be a conversation. But then you know you do have that stress. Like, okay, am I good on time? Am I have my questions? How how is everything <laughs> going? Do, are they okay? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I was always thinking, oh, what am I going to ask next? Well, actually, yeah, uh, for me, and I'm sure for yourself as well, like podcasts should just be a conversation. It shouldn't have a true formality. Yes, you want to get to a certain point or tell a story. But if you don't cover something, you don't cover it. You shouldn't, you shouldn't really fret about kind of forgetting things as well. So, so yeah, um, anything you want to kind of chat about, more, more than happy to, really. Great. Well, yeah, we'll start off. And, you know, you're not a designer, but I feel like, you know, minifigure. What about mm -hmm. uh, how would your sig fig look if you could build it? I know you have your standard sig fig for your um, podcast. Is that what you would go by? Yes and no. So I think, yeah, obviously for the, the education side of what I do with Lego, the, the graduate would be that key design. So obviously the mortarboard, robes. Uh, added glasses to the one that I've got as well. So that's kind of the brick educator uh, mascot. However, I think personally for a sig fig, I, I, if you've listened to my podcast already, I'm, I'm a massive fan of uh, steampunk. So I'd love to have some sort of steampunk-esque style minifigure. So I was having a think earlier and I'd go with the top hat from the Lego Batman movie penguin minifigure that has the goggles kind of included. And then the torso and legs of the Newt Scamander minifigure. Um, face, not sure. Probably just a standard minifigure face. Um, but that sort of Victorian steampunky style character is probably something I'd go for. Um, I mean, I have a beard in real life. I know my sig fig on the account doesn't have one. <laughs> so maybe the, I don't know the piece name, but the, uh, the lumberjack style rubber minifigure beard. So not the printed element, the actual one you can stick on. Um, so I'd probably go for something like that, I'd say. Nice. I mean, that's and it's very detailed. I definitely like when people, you know, pull and know which characters they're going to pull from. It's uh, it, it's it's fun. And I wish Lego would come out with a steampunk theme. I think that'd be just a very unique like, you know, chrome and um, the browns as well as some yeah. steel. Uh, I'm not sure why they've never done it, but hopefully one day well, maybe there'll be an idea set out there that they choose. It would be great. I mean, I know, I think it was the last season of Lego Ideas, there was the Nautilus 10,000 Leagues Under the Sea set. And that would have been perfect. It had the brown, the gears, the gold, the chrome, a nice mixture. Um, I mean, I've seen online some amazing builds that uh, AFOLs and designers have done in terms for like um, hot air balloons and airships and like aliens and robots. And as you said, Lego works so well because the colors are there and they've got all the gears and they've got all the pieces. So yeah, if uh, a Lego City, Lego Ninjago storyline where it's a full universe, but steampunk, uh, it'd, be, it'd be really cool. Yeah, and it's fun because it's not, there's really, I don't think any licensing to a steampunk theme. So no. you could really just, Lego needs to just jump into it. Or I, I know that they're pushing out like, hey, create a story and maybe we'll pick it up. So 
maybe someone can do that. If anyone's listening, I'm giving out a free idea here. Go do it. (laughs) (laughs) Let's talk about your podcast. So everyone out there, the podcast is called The Brick Educator, and it's really about learning with Lego. It's a great podcast. Definitely should give it a listen, uh, as well as ours. Subscribe to both. Absolutely, Uh, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Tell us about how that started. Um, coronavirus kind of kick-started it all. <laughs> so I'm originally from the UK, but I'm currently actually living in Bulgaria. Um, so I used to work at Legoland in Windsor, uh, worked there for six years, um, varying jobs, but all within the education department. Um, I was lucky enough to actually uh, complete the Lego education training course, which basically meant I could go to Billund. Um, I was a week there, got to go to the factory, meet the designers, I actually saw um a lot of the behind the scenes like the original workshop where the training actually happened um, and it basically taught me how to use lego education what they refer to as solutions so things like mindstorms and the robotics and the maths base sets and how to use them in the curriculum to then aid teachers in the classroom and introduce lego into a more hands-on fun way of learning for the students for topics that can be quite difficult or not engaging for them um, so I did that at Legoland. Um, my job was to not only use it with students when they actually came to Legoland on a school trip, but also to train the staff to use those sets and actually run the workshops. And from there, I then actually did teacher training. So I would travel around schools and actually have teachers come to Legoland and do the training course. Um, and then I finished all that back end of January last year. I was supposed to be traveling in Asia across the entire year of 2020 we all know what happened and i've been in bulgaria since then because my wife is bulgarian so we actually came to visit her parents to kind of say hello goodbye see you next year we're off on an amazing adventure around southeast asia um that never happened still in bulgaria now (laughs) because just there's just no travel as everyone knows um but i managed to find a really cool company in bulgaria called the center for creative training who do teacher training so they actually sell the lego education sets on behalf of lego education and then offer the training with that so myself and my wife because my bulgarian isn't immensely great at the moment i needed a translator but we actually both worked at legoland together so she understands lego education what lego is all about so i actually run the training in english do the bulgarian where i can but then um, she translates the entire thing for me live at the same time so we were doing that and then lockdown landed in bulgaria so all training was cancelled so i needed basically something to do in the holidays so this was around july and i started up the brick educator instagram so getting in touch with the lego community the teaching community finding out what's going on with lego education online who's using it obviously i know what's kind of going on in the uk but i wanted to see it more on a global level to kind of see is there old sets people are still using are people really engaged with the new solutions that are coming out kind of what is what's the consensus what's happening and it turns out there is those those really big accounts that are using it but they aren't really shouting out a huge amount about why they use it they show what they use but not why so what i wanted to do was then set up a podcast where i could just talk to people like yourself find out about the person behind the lego that they post and really just delve into why do you think Lego as a solution is good? Why do you think it could improve? And take it from there, really. So the, the podcast really came from me being a little bit bored and a bit nosy. Just wanted to find out what was going <laughs> on. Um, so had some fantastic interviews so far. So not only with Lego teachers and educators but just with model makers and people that i've i knew from legoland originally people that i've met online um and then people that focus on lego type builds i saw you interviewed uh, james pegram from uh, bricks of the past and i got in touch with those guys purely because they do history builds and mm-hmm. i know their target isn't schools and teachers but it's such a perfect medium to use in the classroom and I just wanted to find out why they started it, what was their inspiration for it. And it's just because they love history. So if there's this community out there that does, does things for the love of doing it, why isn't it then being used in the classroom as a learning tool? So the purpose of my podcast, Instagram, social media, all that sort of stuff, is just to show educators and show teachers 
there's all this amazing resource out there for free that people are doing the work for you. Your students, if you're home educating your children, will instantly be engaged with the learning topic because you're using Lego as its focus. Um, so it's just for me, it's just fascinating to see uh, all these people are doing it for the love of doing it. However, it's a valuable resource. And as I said, I just want to kind of showcase it and get it out there for more people to see that aren't an AFOL, that aren't part of the Lego community, but would find just as much value from it because it's saving them time. And then, as you said, it's an engagement tool. Uh, instantly, they're hooked and they want, and they want to learn. And, it, and it's fun. It's Lego. As, as we all know, it's, it's considered a toy, but I do refer to it as a learning tool as opposed to just something you build with because you're just experimenting, you're playing. There's no right or wrong answer with Lego. Um, whatever you create, the journey that helped you get there is part of the learning process. Um, I realize I'm waffling along, but I could talk about this for hours, <laughs> just, how, just how fascinating it is. But yeah, that's kind of where it all started from, just a, a, a willingness and a want to learn more. Well, it's a beautiful beginning in general because that's what Lego was uh, about. It when yeah. it started built as a architecture set and you know a town series and then you start it was originally a toy but then it evolved into more of that educational style and you know mm -hmm. having those educational sets because one most people can't get their hands on them they go to schools so it it yeah. does add a different level of integration into that more of the education side and i know like one interesting set was I think they did a lock and dam set. Uh, mm -hmm. What was that last yeah. year? Um, yeah. And I thought that was great because it, it not only represented, you know, here's how we build it. Here's how they work. And then you can visualize it in, mm -hmm. uh, in a tabletop scale instead of watching a video. And yeah. uh, I know when I went to school, uh, we had a Minecraft class where we actually built robots. I actually went to also a robot um uh camp because i'm a huge nerd and <laughs> uh where uh we had to like all right here's an incline of 60 degrees climb it how are you gonna do it we're gonna do a battle box how are you gonna do that and i used like the old school touch sensors as a remote control so like if i'm yeah. holding it down it would turn left leave it it would turn right um mm -hmm. it it was a great way to make a hands-on experience and i feel like that's uh very much missing in our society because it's very computer based. Now, I, yeah. I guess the question I would definitely lead into is how do you see that evolution in Lego? Because we have the more digital side, you know, there's coding and all this. Do you think that that's being applied in the correct way to still use Lego or should they be going back more towards that physical side? No, I think it, it's the, the, the hybrid learning that's fascinating to me. So there's um, those that aren't familiar with the Lego education sets, you've got um, Mindstorms EV3, which is kind of, if you've ever seen first Lego League, or as you mentioned, BattleBots, EV3 Mindstorms is what people tend to use. They're highly sophisticated. You can build whatever you want with them. They're fully Bluetooth. You code them either in Python or C coding or uh, more commonly scratch coding, which is kind of what every student is learning at school now. And it's a way to not only teach them coding but also the design and engineering behind robotics in general so what i find fascinating is when people say to when i used to do the workshops at legland they say i don't know how to code but i know how to play with a robot and it's like well that is coding they're just taught it in two separate lessons so what lego education is really like finessing is this idea of it's the amalgamation of the two that it's not just designing technology and it's not just computing it's the all-encompassing as you've probably heard of this steam so stem technology engineering arts and math and it should be all in one big lesson rather than breaking it all down into individual chunks you can use lego itself i mean the moment you start building lego whether or not it's a robot is engineering you're looking at mechanisms, you're looking at gear systems, you're looking at how things go together and how things are stable. And Lego themselves, uh, I mean, I don't officially work for Lego. I work on behalf of Lego Education. 
they've had a few misses. So I'm not a huge fan of Hidden Side. I think the Hidden Side sets are amazing. I don't think the app adds anything really to it. So on that level, I don't see the technology really helping anything in that particular set. And I know they used to have, I don't know what sets were, maybe the secret agent sets where you used to be able to scan a certain brick and then it would do something within an app or it would have a secret code in it. And I think Lego obviously tried all these ideas, but what they didn't have was if I do something to the software, it will then change what happens in the real life. It kind of, I change something in the real life and it changes the software. It was the other way around. Whereas what I see with the robotics side is if you change something in the design, it's going to change what the program does and vice versa. So it's helping people engage with it on a level where they're not only playing, experimenting, building, but they're learning all the time. So what any particular change, like there's like in the Mindstorm set, if you have one wheel slightly off the zero angle, it's going to act differently to what you just programmed it from before. So it's making you really think about the fine details of how Lego and technology and software actually works together. So you've got the Mindstorms, then you've got the junior version, which is called We Do, and it's a much simpler version. Um, if you've seen on Instagram or, or any of the, uh, on their YouTube, it's the little white and blue alien. Now he's brilliant because he just moves forwards and backwards, so there's very little room for error, but there's a huge area for growth and what you can do with it in terms for changing the build, adding more motors, having them connect to other robots. So to kind of answer your question, it's, I think they need to be integrated with build. I don't see particularly Lego ever doing a software only set because it's just not what Lego is all about. Um, I'd be really interested to see where they go with it. I know they've just launched, well, Lego launched the new Mindstorm set, which is basically a rebranded version of what they've just released from Lego Education, which was called Spike. Now, people love it or hate it a little bit like marmite in the uk they can see the benefits but they don't really understand why they've done it because mindstorms ev3 was such an advanced software they don't understand why they've almost downgraded it to then turn it into a more home child friendly version where the old software works just as well um so yeah fascinating what they're doing with it and just really excited to kind of see where it goes um I, I mean i'd love to see more integration with things like lego digital designer i'm really helping people understand like design software and cad but have it integrated within a lego set so not only do you build something but then you learn how to design it in real life um well virtually and in, in software so yeah who knows where they're going to go with it but personally i think they yeah you can't have one without the other because it makes the whole learning experience more more wholesome and you know and you're learning more basically i agree and you know to an extent i liked the hidden side sets only because of the styling i i yes. didn't agree like you said with the the same the digital aspect the same goes for like the lego mario sets with the digi figure and like the interaction mm. and play style I like years ago, they came out with those board games, which I have a couple. I don't think I've ever mm -hmm. played them. It's not a it, it wasn't a huge pool. If they had made like, you know, let's work together with Monopoly to build a full Lego Monopoly set. Done deal. That's great. I love yeah. it. <laughs> but, but, you know, they're, they're testing the waters. They continue to try different ventures. So Digi yeah. Mario, I guess it's it's doing well because one it's nostalgia two it has mm -hmm. a little bit of that digital aspect and i i eventually will get one just to have it but um and then they're doing the same thing with what is it the video uh those little minifigs that have like oh, now the, yeah where they have those art deco style plates that you pretty much create like a little music video or something and mm -hmm. i think yeah. they're Lego's doing their best to reach out to the generation or what's it? What do we call them now? Not Gen Z is, uh, is it the Gen Z? The two I thousands. Mean, yeah. Maybe Z. Cause it's, I, I mean, I don't know what it goes. Gen X. Then we're millennial. I'm at least a millennial. And then it goes, I think that's the same. And then there's Gen Z, uh, with the kids that have never known anything but the internet and personal yeah. cell phones. Got uh, and I, I think it's a, 
it's an interesting way to push it. But I enjoy the education sets. I think Lego needs to push those to be that hybrid in a better way where there's so many ways to make mechanical. I'm terrible at gear ratio uh, algorithms, and <laughs> but because <laughs> it's impossible. Well, it's not impossible. People figure it out. But like you want it to turn or function and uh, you can't do it as well digitally that's another thing i'm a huge like digital designer the, st- the studio mm-hmm. i don't use lego digital designer because they pretty much gave up once they bought uh bricklinks oh uh, got you i think the like once they come out with because they've done the coding for the new mindstorm and the uh, ev3 on an ipad so that's great so like it's yeah. super interactive easy to understand but then when it comes to like building in a lego d- digital designer you you can't you have to use a mouse. You have to have a computer. You can't have it on mm-hmm. a PC or a, a iPad. And I think that's a big missed opportunity because that's easy for kids to interact with touching, with a physical yep. aspect to it. And with like your education in the podcast, you you dive into how not only to design but to learn how to still be creative. Mm-hmm. How do you think this generation is like reaching that? And how do you think your podcast might be reaching the right people to do this? So what I'm really hoping is the fact it's it's not particularly the students that are inspired, it's the teachers that are inspired to then try something new. Um, teachers in Bulgaria, teachers in the UK, they're quite techn- they're quite technophobic. They like pen and paper, they like things in a certain way. So when you first give them a Lego set, they're not really sure what to do with it until you teach them. Now a student knows exactly what to do. They understand iPads, they have they have them in day-to-day life they know how programming works they know if i press play i will then tell it to go forward go backwards and it will stop they understand that straight away what they don't understand is then how to build the actual lego because they're so used to the digital um they're not really sure how the i've had students in legoland that i've never built lego before like they just they didn't have it at home for whatever reason but they just didn't know how it went together but they understood the technology because they're just so used to having it. So all you all you need to do then is teach them the easy bit. You're just teaching them about the how Lego goes together, and the technology side, which is for the teacher the hardest bit. The teach the students then teach the teacher how to do it. And for me, that's an amazing situation where the teachers are learning from the student. And I mean, one story I still remember, um, I don't know where the school was from, but they all came in and we didn't, at this stage, we didn't have iPads in one of the workshop rooms at Legoland. Um, we just had monitors with a <laughs> old school desktop computers. And they all came in, built the Lego. I'm like, great, now what do we do? And then I was like, oh, so you use the computer and now you can program it. And they were all there tapping the screen and trying to swipe it as if they thought, as if it was a giant iPad. They didn't know what the mouse and keyboard did that was in front of them. <laughs> and it just shows where technology has got to. I mean, obviously, we both remember time before personal computers and time before mobile phones with touch screens and stuff like that. But students nowadays and children who are like home educated, they just know it and they just do it straight. Like it's, it's second nature to them. So integrating that within the learning, as, as you said, it's just... you. The, the hard part, which was difficult for us when we were students, is now the norm and it's now the easy part. The hard part for them is actually getting hands on with something physical because they're just not used to doing that. So that's why the, the as we mentioned, the hybrid learning of digital and physical is so important for today's generation. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll throw my wife under the bus here. She still types in Google dot com on her search bar. And I'm like, you, you understand the search <laughs> bar is Google. Google. <laughs> <laughs> and I guarantee my nephew, he's three, can teach us more things about this. Like, I didn't have yeah. a coding class in, in school. We learned to build a website that had a little scrolling banner and typing class. Mm-hmm. And now, like, our niece, she's just going to be going to college. And she was doing coding at, like, age six. It, it is phenomenal what can be yeah. done in the digital world. Because I'm trying to like build a website still for my podcast because I'm I'm just I don't have time to do it. And that's the I'd love to learn. It's just I don't have time. And mm-hmm. it, it like these people are like, oh, yeah, that's easy. Just click, 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 click. And you pay this website. It does all that. I'm like, uh, wh- what? 
you moved a little too fast and I used, I like yeah. to move fast. I like, I like to build and understand the electronics because I'll upgrade my computers and build stuff, mm-hmm. but it, you do get lost. And I understand where the educators are coming in. You want to make sure that the educators are, are still in line with how the kids should be learning. Like, Hey, great. You guys all have iPads for your class. I love it. Uh, we'll code to tomorrow, but today break out this Lego set. Don't follow the instructions. See if you can build it. Exactly. I mean, I think that's it's so key with Lego. It's like, I love an instruction booklet for a Lego set. I love following the guide. And I love following a plan. But are you learning anything apart from a particular technique? I argue it's, I mean, I'm just literally doing a piece on Lego mindfulness. So yes, it's relaxing. Mm-hmm. There's no stress behind it because you just, that piece goes there, that piece goes there. Here it click, la da 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 done. The set is built. That challenge of here's a box of Lego, what can you make? For me, is quite daunting. But for a child, it gives them space to explore and and really like show who they are and show their skills. And yeah, as you said, well, build this today. We're going to code it tomorrow. So it really makes you think. Okay, the build will affect how I then program it. So it's not just here's a robot that Lego have designed and built. Build, build, build. Program. Put it back in a box. Job done. I've learned coding. It's that whole process of if I make a mistake, I need to go back to it and fix it and change it. And for them, debugging and decoding things if it doesn't go wrong is quite a new concept because they're used to things just working for them. So in the classroom, when a robot, for whatever reason, doesn't move or it doesn't stop or it doesn't do what you tell it to do, that process of working out why that's happened is for me fascinating because you see some children get really angry with it and they just give up because they're like well my ipad works this isn't working and it's like yeah because you <laughs> built it yeah. you, you basically you built it wrong and they're like what do you mean i built it wrong I've, I've done that it goes oh no i've missed the gear out but they immediately think the technology is the problem not the physical what they have built because they it's just how a child brain works Um, but the same with teachers when i do my teacher training if it doesn't work for whatever reason they go oh it's not working it's like is it not working or have you not built it right oh (laughs) oh yeah i've not turned it on oh crap yeah (laughs) (laughs) and well the same can be said of like uh i hated excel when i was in school it was terrible never worked now i still live (laughs) <laughs> I live on Excel now. Like I have to do some data inputs and I'm like, oh, I'll just write this code. But then it takes time. I have to go to YouTube. I have to learn how that code yeah. works to understand how to write it. Then I have to plug it into this. It's it's a process that we're still learning. They were kids already get there and teachers are behind. But yeah, like having a student, I, that's why I like digital designers because there's nothing there. It is a blank slate. Start mm-hmm. with whatever you have unlimited bricks, you have unlimited styles uh, and colors that are in the catalog of Lego, figure it out. And yeah. I actually, I did a um, commission for someone that wanted a mech suit, the Lego mech suit for a minifig. Mm-hmm. And he was doing an education class to, and I, he's like, can you record it also so I can have my students understand how to do it? And then we'll purchase the bricks and build that physically. I'm like, that's awesome. Because yeah. then they're seeing how to do it both in their normal landscape of digital and then getting to actually interact with it in the physical. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's amazing because I think you mentioned it earlier as well. It's like you're, you're, you are too busy to learn new skills at the moment or new software just out of the blue, because you've got work, you've got family, you've got life to kind of contend with students and children as part of their day to day. If they say they don't like learning, they're lying because Watching YouTube of someone playing a game, you're learning how to play the game. Watching someone build Lego, you're learning how to build that Lego. What they don't like is particularly the situation that they are told to learn in. If they're given the room to learn and given the tools to learn in their own time and their own vicinity, they love it because, I mean, I don't need to say how great Lego is at all. People know (laughs) Lego is fun. It's hands-on. It's colourful. It's interactive. It's accessible. But I mean, mean, for me personally, for me personally, I've had a lot of time the last year 
just to learn about new software. So learn like for the podcast, learning audacity, learning things like how Anchor, which is my um, host podcast platform, how that works, learning about Shotcut and uploading the podcast, some of them to YouTube. It's great because I'm a person that likes to learn new things. But what I found is I easily get bored when it doesn't work in my favor. So it's because I'm giving myself pressure to learn something for a necessity not for the sheer joy of learning it so it's like i wanted to go on youtube so now i need to learn video editing youtube didn't really pay off in terms for the viewership and the interactivity that i wanted so i kind of stopped doing it with the podcast however you've got such a wider market and it's a lot i mean um, it's easier to edit than a video it's still how you still have to do all the sound equalization and everything like that but for me that's interesting and i can see how it's beneficial because i'm actually chatting with people who've listened to the podcast but they've never seen the youtube videos so it's the the learning aspect for me is it, it it has to have a benefit it can't just be learning for the sake of learning it needs something tangible that you go okay by the end of this i'm gonna have learned this had fun and now i can use that skill and going back to your previous question coding is vital now and as you mentioned like you mentioned excel it's it's a software that i still hate i still can't use it very well but youtube exists and as you mentioned you just if you don't know a certain formula just ask someone online and that's we're in this like society now where information and learning is everywhere it's just do you have the right push and the right want to find that information out exactly and youtube i mean it teaches it can teach you anything i i've we're yeah. redoing a basement i've never done drywall before well there's youtube i, I can figure it mm -hmm. out and people say like oh i don't yep. go to youtube i just go to browse and look at funny videos i'm like cool but that's only like 10 percent of youtube everything else and everyone that's successful on youtube is it's a how-to is usually the easiest way to be a successful youtuber and yeah, I understand completely about the difference between podcasting and YouTube. I had a, I still have a YouTube channel, and I upload maybe once every couple months. Uh, and I will mm -hmm. definitely change that uh, in the future because I do enjoy it. But it is when I can edit a podcast in an hour, that's a half hour to a yeah. 20 minute episode, to a YouTube video that's maybe 10 minutes that takes six hours mm -hmm. to not only yeah, edit, but videotape, get the lighting right. Like, yeah, it's a whole process. Um, and that's how you see that dedication of people to YouTube is a whole another adventure. But like you mm -hmm. said, I started with Anchor as well. Then I moved to Buzzsprout, and mm -hmm. uh, then there's uh, like other ones that you think of. Then you think, okay, well maybe I'll get some sponsorships here for something. And um, how, is my style working? You can look at your statistics. You can understand like, hey, you are following me on Instagram. What? what do you think of the podcast? Is there anything I should fix or change? Yeah. And so like people said, Hey, I love your news, but like we should split it up. Let's do news one day. And then your interviews on a different day. And that works out yeah. great. Cause then I can get yeah. the whole week down. And then, uh, I focus on my interviews on every Monday. Mm -hmm. And it, it gives you that schedule. It gives you that aim and, and knowledge of this is what my audience wants. I think I was very naive when I started with the podcast because the, the Instagram for me has the biggest followership, but equally Instagram is very easy to follow and interact with people. So you just need to literally turn on the app and you start seeing content straight away. A podcast as a listener, you need to be actively listening and be searching for things and doing that. So I, I'm very lucky to have um, a very a, quite a loyal fan base on Instagram. And I know those certain people that I interact with on a daily basis, either with my Lego challenges or when I just DM them, asking them for ideas, they listen to the podcast. However, there's thousands of people on Instagram that follow my account that I know for certain do not listen to the podcast because it's not for them. What they're interested yep. in is seeing when I reshare other people's builds or do a quick Lego challenge or showcasing a new Lego education set. They don't want to sit and listen to a teacher talking about their Lego method. But I know there's a, there is an audience for that. 
So I'm being stubborn with it. I'm still doing them, even <laughs> though yeah. the views aren't what I wanted because I, I'm not doing it. I, I, it's awful because YouTube, I thought I had it cracked because I did one video of one of the Lego Education builds, which is this giant robotic elephant. And whatever the algorithm did got me onto the homepage and it got something like 34,000 views. And I suddenly had four or 500 subscribers overnight. And I was like, amazing, this is it. I'm gonna do videos every couple of days and film my Lego, put it all out there, nothing. And I was like, oh, okay, it was a <laughs> And it just puts you down. And I know there's so many great YouTube channels that are out there doing this content. And the way, I mean, obviously we all know YouTube is just massive and it's got thousands and thousands of people using it. But to be seen and get out there, you need to literally be doing a video every day. And I just don't have the time or the want to do it. And I was finding I stopped learning new things. I was just churning out very similar content. Whereas, as you mentioned with the podcast, you can do it in a few hours and get it out there. And every interview is unique and you're just learning something. And I mean, I've, I'm still a novice to audacity and I'm still learning about equalization and gain and all this sort of stuff terms that i'd heard of but i didn't really know what they did and i've watched hundreds of how-to videos on audacity and they're amazing some of them cover things that i already know but then they give one little piece of advice that made the entire video worth it because i've learned something new from that even though i kind of knew bits and bobs already um, and i really hope that's what people kind of see in terms for give a podcast a go because you might just learn something even though it might only be a 10 minute episode or even like some of my longer ones up to an hour it may not be relevant for you but there might be something in there that just sparks an idea and gets you thinking and gets you looking at lego and learning and education but just in a, in a slightly different way i mean in i mean i'm going to ask you a question now when what kind of started you on the podcast what made you go from YouTube to a more podcast based. Right. Well, now I'm going to switch to my interviewee hat and yes. my <laughs> host hat. Uh, well, it's, a, it, it's interesting because I've always liked podcasts and I started to realize that I can still be educated while enjoying it because I like music too. But then mm -hmm. every time I look for a Lego one, there was nothing. So I decided like, all right, well, let's see where I can go. So like my first couple episodes were some, you know, I did like, understanding mario and it, it it more was like how youtube is for a podcast and i realized that's not what podcasts are about it's about the education side and getting to know somebody so that's when i looked at like every there are millions of designers out there everybody designed something different how do they do it how do they go about it where did they start why do they love this like uh my yeah. podcast that came out this week it was about a designer that loves star wars and he builds not only the star wars like vehicles but architecture i'm like okay so that's cool most people don't do that what brought you to that and like i interviewed uh what's his name yeah kieran zwanenberg mm -hmm. who did uh tutankhamen and it's just like yeah i i just thought it was really cool and it took me a couple like a year but i really enjoyed doing it and i love mm -hmm. building not only big builds but small builds and that's cool because you get to not only talk to somebody who loves Lego as much as you, but you get to see these awesome and unique designs. Mm. And hopefully my, my goal in it is like, you know, Hey, you can come and join and like check out the news every Friday, but then every Monday, like stick around to learn how somebody else is inspired that may inspire yeah. you. And the same thing. I don't have amazing numbers for my podcast, but you know what? I have a loyal followership that, and my Instagram is just, reach 10,000 so now I can do the swipe up and mm -hmm. I, I like to thank you I like to post people's work and share it it's not and if they love to go to the podcast that's awesome uh, yeah. that's that's kind of the like it's it's the funnel but at the 10,000 there are not 10,000 people listening to my podcast and that's okay would I like that sure but I know the reality of people are here to see and not always listen but then there are mm -hmm. some that want to get an understanding of what's happening behind the scenes and how this was made. Yeah, exactly. And it's for me, it's always, why did you build it? And every single person I've talked to, as, as I'm sure with the same of the builders that you've had a chat with, is 
because I've wanted to. It's not to get views. It's not to get follows. Sometimes, yes, it's for commission, but they wouldn't agree to it if they didn't want to do it in the first place. So it's always just for the love of building. And I find it so wholesome that that is the reason, because I think before I really jumped onto the community, I only knew builders through Legoland because it was their job and they were paid to build Lego. I knew mm-hmm. people built Lego as a hobby and they have the sets and they do these great, uh, the, the mocks and the, their own creations. But I didn't realize quite how big the community was. And when you start engaging and interacting with, you just find that they're just normal people who just love Lego. And now for me, I'm the black sheep in the family. I'm the only adult, apart from my wife, in my whole family, including hers, who plays with Lego. So I will always felt a little bit like, am I the weird one who loves Lego, loves Legoland, goes to theme parks every other weekend and does all this and taps into that, I'm still a child at heart. Because everyone else has got normal nine to five boring jobs and you kind of just go, oh, okay, yeah, that's, that's your choice. That's how you live. So you make money, go on holiday, blah, blah, blah. Whereas I'm in it for the experience and for the learning. And then to suddenly jump online and find tens of thousands of people who are like you, I was like, oh, this is nice. <laughs> <laughs> like-minded fellows that I can yeah. and just like geek- talk with and yeah, yeah, geek out about. Yeah, and they will know what I'm referring to when I talk about a Mindstorms robot. Whereas I get, I mean... <laughs> My family love them to bits, but when I mentioned I had this this Lego training job, I was like, oh, I'll go around schools and I teach and I train teachers how to use Lego. And they're like, well, you just put it together, don't you? And I was like, oh, yeah, but it's a whole, <laughs> it, it's so much bigger than that. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah. And that it's like, I can still remember my dad. I don't know. I mean, I'm 28 and I'm pretty sure like two or three years ago, he's like, well, you can't play with Lego your entire life, Garrett. I'm like, watch me. <laughs> you, you sit there and just see uh, yeah. <laughs> I will. And like I've had this podcast. It'll be a year in April, about the same time. The pandemic kind of pushed me into it more. Mm-hmm. And I, I, I couldn't be happier doing it. And that's the fun part. It's it's, you know, like you said in YouTube, it's hard because it's consistency, but the same with podcasts. I, I come out with two episodes a week and it's, it mm-hmm. takes time, but then you look, you have to reflect. It's the same as like these designers. You just spent 27 hours building a Harry Potter, uh, whatever. It, it could be anything. Uh, the, yeah. the Shrieking Shack, let's say. You love it. And is it, that, that was the time well spent, right? doesn't matter what anyone else thinks that's what you like to do same with anything Mm -hmm. in life if it's a hobby or your job um like you said you've only uh, interacted with people in the lego uh world that were you know that was their job and then there's us on the outside that wish that that was our job sometimes because that's how much we love what we do as a hobby and i like how in your podcast you know it's not just you know oh um Here's what a Technic gear is. It's like, here's the medieval style. Here's how you can build a Lego career. Here's like, you get to design and decide how people can learn not just about Lego, but what Lego can do to teach you about life. Yeah, exactly. And I think one of my personal favorites is the learning outside of the classroom episode where I spoke with an old friend from university. He now works at a, uh, a war museum up in Leeds, up in the north of England. And his job is to reenact characters and teach people about weapons and armor. And for me, it's nothing to do with Lego, but it has exactly the same values of that learning through play and learning through interaction that a reenactor gets to do every single day. And it's it's that idea of I mean I've I've said it and I, I've said it in my podcast numerous times just learning outside of the box and learning through an experience that you wouldn't necessarily relate to learning is key to engagement and if you think you're playing when you're learning to code a robot it's you've hit the nail on the head because you're going to remember it for years you're going to take those skills and be cross-relevant and 
it's invaluable experience when you're a child, but equally when you're an adult. If you can still learn when you're an adult and you're having fun at the same time, you're never going to want to stop learning. And when you stop doing it for yourself and you lose the enthusiasm, you lose the, the enjoyment like I did for YouTube, that's when you need to try something else. And that's why I then move to podcasts and more. Because even like Facebook, I hate Facebook. I can't get on with it <laughs> at all. I, it's, there's so many. I, mean, I love some of the groups on there. Like I, I use my account to kind of follow there's, a, there's like obviously the, there's a crazy a fold which is a really big group in there but using it as an engagement tool and using it to share work and share podcasts doesn't work for me because it just gets drowned amongst i've just built this castle what do you think and it's like oh it's amazing thousands of likes and i'll go oh i've just done this amazing interview with the lego master builder from legoland australia in melbourne and it got like two likes and i was like oh so what is what are these groups used for? And for me, it allows me to learn about the insights and learn about the engagement. So even though it didn't have the result I wanted, I had a learning experience from it. So I don't regret trying it because I learned something from it. I just don't use that as a platform. And so I put, and I was, another question, putting my interview hat on. Apart from the podcast and the Instagram that you use for Back to Brick, what else have you tried and experimented with that either didn't work or really paid off for you and like learning experiences from them? I guess it's all really passive. Like I use like sometimes Twitter um, and the Facebook account, which I, I can't tell you how the last time I logged in on it. But <laughs> in, it, <laughs> the, in general, it is really like an Instagram and just pushing out, you know, like I have a certain, certain days, like, okay, I'm going to post these pictures of the person and like promote, Hey, this is an interview guest. Check it out. Like this is mm -hmm. a cool picture, but also it has some additional things. It, and that's why I'm trying to, the next big phase is a, is a website because I can not only have the episode, but I can have their artwork and details of discussions yeah. and a, a readout if people want to see that it's that there's always different ways to manipulate and broaden how you can reach people it's just like you said experimentation constant experimentation and it's it's based on how much time you have um i i would love to dedicate more time constantly but you know as we talk about you have we have lives that we have to still yeah. push forward for and one day i would love for it to my life to be this or working at lego and things like that but that's the future you build what you mm -hmm. can and you do what you 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 need to and i like i appreciate how yours is the same thing it's it's an education based constant because anyone that says that they're done after like college or university to stop reading or uh, learning they're lying because wow. just like kids are lying because mm -hmm. you can't you will not survive in this world without constant learning yeah agreed and i think we, we, there's this idea of what learning and education is that is so focused on what you learn at school helps you for life but I didn't learn about credit cards or bank loans or mortgages at school. I didn't learn how to cook and clean and do house chores at school. You learn that through life experience. And as you said, if you ever think you've stopped, you stopped learning, then you're kidding yourself. And what I love about what I do as my day job, as the teacher, as the training, is seeing teachers get inspired. And also there's that little light bulb moment of, oh, I'm going to do this differently from now on because I've never had the chance to do it myself and play in a certain way. I mean, I've, this is my first interview for a podcast as a into, interviewee. And I love it because it means I can actually just share the experience of why I love asking people questions and I get to then actually talk about why I love Lego, which I don't very often get to do because I've on the Instagram and on the podcast, it's very much about the other person and it's about finding out why they love it. And then I learn about them. But 
when you find out something about yourself and actually get to talk about it, it's the same as when a teacher or a home education parent, when they learn something from a child because of an experience that they also shared or they had. So, I mean, have you ever experienced, apart from the BattleBots things, any of the other Lego education sets, either through school or out-of-classroom experience that you've been able to do? Not really. And that's, that is, uh, I think disappointing in that Lego should make them a little bit more available to others. Mm -hmm. But, um, I think also it depends on the school to really get out there and make it happen where they're like, okay, we need to broaden this, not to just like the middle school kids, but let's talk about elementary school. Let's talk about high school. Let's Mm. like really make it a broader understanding that like, don't be made fun of for Lego. There's no reason it's fun and you can enjoy it in different ways constantly. You know, with education, it's constant. We're continuing learning. And as we learn, you know, you have your podcast, continue to press out and do more as educational episodes. You know, I can't wait to hear more. And I, I think it's going to be great to other people to realize that, you know, it's not just for kids, it's for adults too to constantly learn and have that hybrid, make it still a part of the physical world and still a part of the digital world. Um, And I think my, my final question I always like to ask is how do you think you in your life that, how do you think Lego changed and affected you? Oh, uh, the the big one is it gave me a, a new career path. Um, I originally wanted to be a actor, so I went to university and studied theatre. I then got into uh, outreach theatre, so theatre for schools and theatre for young children. From there, I then started looking at other learning outside of the classroom experiences. And then I came across Legoland and the education team and their idea of using Lego as a platform for learning and a platform for interactive workshops and it all kind of just rolled from there so myself as a person i can find i can be a lot more uh, understanding now of why people didn't like school and why they didn't like education because they just weren't being challenged in the right way and they were being put into a classroom of 30 kids they weren't getting the experience that they wanted and they weren't learning. And then they have that idea of, oh, I didn't enjoy school. I didn't like learning because it wasn't the right style of learning for them. So very lucky to obviously had the job that I did um, at Lego. And I'm very lucky to be where I am now. Obviously, my Lego experience now is less for children. It's more for adult-based learning, How, well, adult-based training. But that then goes to the kid. So I like to see it as I am changing the face of education, like, slowly. So Bulgaria itself is a very proud country. It's very set in its values of this is how school should be. This is how learning should be. The kids need to learn this, this and this. I then rock up with a Lego robot and go, right, we're going to have fun today. And they're like, huh? What do you mean? And it's like, yeah, we're going we're gonna to build, we're going to play, we're going to experiment. There's no right or wrong answer. So it, Lego has really given me that outlook of things change all the time. It just needs that little push from a person like myself who's got the enthusiasm, got the energy, and got, I think, patience as well, especially with teachers, because they are so focused on we need to get through what we have in the UK as Ofsted. We need to get the points. We need to get graded. We need to get the students a certain amount of pass mark so we can, so we can breathe comfortably. You introduce Lego as another factor and they just panic because they're like, oh, we don't know what to do with it. It's, we don't know how it works. We don't know what to do. And it just adds a, a, a level of learning that's just going to allow people to succeed even more. Um, and it's allowed me to really find myself as a, as a person. I know that sounds deep and very meaningful. However, it's kind of shown, yeah, it's fine to have a passion as a job. And you can be nerdy and you can be a bit geeky. And it's fine because that's the culture we live in now. I mean, 
I think, uh, well, as a child, I didn't really have Lego. I had Meccano and I had Connects and I had a lot of the theme park style building construction toys. Lego for me really only started when I went to Legoland and that was only, yeah, six years ago. And it's, it's kind of shown me of, oh, this is cool. I like this. And you can, and the fact it's now for me has a purpose and it also has practice in the classroom is great. And yeah, it's just given me a scope to kind of go, yeah, I can now do what I want with a passion that I I think that everyone should have that aspect and it's hard for people to understand that, you know, careers are great. Passions are great. You can still put them together and you can also mm-hmm. have them separate and still enjoy your life. Um, and you know, it's more of an accepting culture where, you know, you had Lego and, oh, you were a super nerd, like whatever. And we still are, but <laughs> people are more accepting of a lot of things now that like, oh, that's great. That's cool. Those are cool designs. And like, you'll tell, I'll tell my friends and they'll be like, wow, really? You have a podcast? And they'll laugh, but then they'll be like, wow, those are really cool interviews. Like you get to understand and talk to people. And I'm like, yeah, and I enjoy it. And that's the whole point. Make sure you enjoy it and continue that learning. Um, and I'm glad that, you know, you did find Lego and learned that, you know, education can be fun and teaching others the same. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and as you said, it's fine to have that nerdy passion. It's it's not a taboo anymore. Lego people see Lego as, yeah, it is what it is. The films are great. The sets are great. The video games are really, really good fun. I mean, me and my wife a few years ago sat and binged the entire Xbox series of Lego games. <laughs> Just because it, she doesn't do video games, she doesn't she doesn't get it. Uh, but I, I always did like Skyrim, Fable, and all those like role play games. And mm-hmm. then giving it like a little Lego theme and its construction and destroying things and it's funny and it's bright and colourful. It's like, oh yeah, this is a fun game. And then I got her into <laughs> video games through Lego. So it's like that was a win. That was a win straight there. My wife is a nerd like me. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's how I got my wife. Like. Now she's bought Legos this year and we're super into Marvel, like WandaVision. That's like, oh, ev- it's so we watch gross. it for half an hour, but then it's like six hours of theories and podcasts and trying to see yeah. what like her theory is. And then we wait what? for that Friday. Oh, it's too long between episodes though. We did three episodes in one go because we just hadn't caught up. And then we watched episode five, the latest one. And it's like, it can't be finished. How long was that episode? Well, I want to know what happens. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah, we're we're up. I think it's episode six is the latest, but we watched it again last night for the second time, and we already had listened oh. to two hours of podcasting on it, and like so many small theories and Easter eggs, and it's great because that's the yeah, thing is even with Lego, it's and as we get the more adult side stuff, it's the nostalgia of it and the education mm-hmm. of like, hey, these are still Lego is still out there, and you can have yourself a Nintendo Entertainment System out of Lego or you yeah. can go out and buy more star wars because it's just it's star wars is everywhere but yeah jamie thank you again this is great for everyone out there definitely check out the brick educator and follow him on instagram and his podcast do both listen to it even just one episode like but listen to more of course this is the chance to get to understand and learn a little bit more not just about lego but how to have fun with education again Absolutely. And if, if you're on YouTube, there is some videos out there. And there'll be one coming up very soon, which is the brand new Lego Education Brick Motion Prime set, which is all about science, technology, engineering, but without technology. So it's purely Lego. So I was very lucky to get hands on with that and do an unboxing and a bit of a play with that. And that will be coming out on Wednesday. So I'm not sure when this podcast will go live. So it might be live already. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah um that's youtube and that's just yep the brick educator same keep it consistent i find then you you can find me wherever you look for me awesome well again thank you jamie and i uh, i really appreciate you coming on and hope to talk to you uh more and get educated myself absolutely and the invite returns to come on to my podcast and be a guest where i can ask you some questions Oh, well, I look forward to it. Since I was already an interviewee this time, this and we'll just play it back and forth. <laughs> Perfect. I, I just can't help asking questions. That's my problem. So. <laughs> it's that nosy aspect, but we like it. That's it why is. we have uh, <laughs> why we're hosts. We like to be nosy. 
But uh, Absolutely. Jamie, <laughs> again, thank you. Thanks, uh, I'll talk to you soon. Brilliant. Thank Bye-bye. you, dude. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody. Thanks again for listening to the Back to Brick podcast. I hope you enjoyed our new episode with a fellow podcast, The Lego Brick Educator. And make sure you subscribe to both our podcasts. And if you're interested, you can check out his other works and my other works on our Back to Brick podcast and The Brick Educator. Please subscribe to our Instagram at Back to Brick 2. That's the number 2 and 2. And then if you're interested in coming on the podcast, reach out to me at backtobrick at gmail.com. You can also reach out to me on Instagram. And I hope you've had a wonderful weekend. I know it was pretty expensive for a lot of people, as it was May the 4th. So I hope you got all the sets that you wanted and they didn't run out of stock. Uh, Double VIP points is always a good thing. So definitely check out some of the other Lego Star Wars sets out there if you didn't get the one you wanted. Also, if you're still interested in uh, competing for getting the flowers uh, bouquet that my wife donated to the podcast, we're going to be announcing that on Friday for the winner. So we'll be posting uh, a repost on Monday for you to try to enter again. And I'll leave you as I always do. Get creative, get out there, and go build something.